0: ask you this. Have you ever thought about some of the phrases and some of the words we use in church when we're just having a conversation? And the older we get, the more we're seasoned in our theology and what we believe, Uh, the more we use words that when we come in contact with people that may not have a church frame like we had, they don't understand those words. When we say a sentence like this, let me just give you one. Our salvation is possible because of our justification through Christ, the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, which shows us our need for our sanctification. Now, if you understand that, you've been in church a while. Or you went to Bible college, right? We use words. I call that the Asian family, all right? And I don't have time to theologically unpack all the members of the Asian family for you, so I'm going to trust your team to do that later on. But I just want to show you that there are words that we use. I didn't grow up with a church frame, and so when we use these words sometimes with people who don't have a church frame, they look at us like we're we're crazy because they don't know what we're talking about. There's another word I want to talk about specifically tonight, and if you were like me, I linked this word when I was younger to the craziest section of the church world. Now, just so you'll have a little bit of a frame of my life my dad was Catholic, my mom was Baptist. We went to a Methodist church so I could be confused. (laughs) My dad hated pastors that screamed. I don't know that I'd ever been in a Catholic church in my life. So if my dad was Catholic, he was not a practicing Catholic. But he just used that as his reason not to go to church. And so I had no frame, no idea, no understanding of what Jesus meant. I I was. But I I did know this one term, this one word. I'd heard it enough times. And I I had this teacher who was this word. And y'all ain't going to lie. She was something. The word's Pentecostal. I went out with this girl one time, and we were driving by uh, down the highway, and, and uh, she said uh, she's asking me about church. And I'm like, so I'm thinking, well, she must like church, so I better make something up, you know. So here we go. So I'm just trying to act like I even know what church is. And we drive by this church, and uh, it's, a, it's a full gospel holiness church. And she says, well, tell me about that church. Huh. So this is the way I defined it for you. Ready? Well, here's what that church is about. They're wild. They're pew hopping. I even heard to handle snakes in there. And they swing from the light fixtures in the chandeliers. My understanding of the word Pentecostal was so limited, it's almost embarrassing now when I look back on it. But I've also learned there's a whole lot of people out there that are not much different than I was. Now, I ended up, she went to that church, so we didn't go out on another date. Just so you know, not a good deal. I, uh, Jesus found me, the way I'm going to say it. I uh, was at the end of my freshman year of college, and uh, I was a basketball player, and I had, I had play, been playing in a pickup game and blew out my knee and tore my ACL and couldn't play ball anymore and was really going through a rough time. My mama, every, every Saturday... Night, She would come to me and she'd beg me to go to church. And I would always just say no. And so this finally this one Sunday I got tired of her being on my back. So I agreed to, agreed to go. And so Sunday morning I got up. I was still hungover. I felt terrible. I went to church anyway. I've never forgotten it. It was June of 1989. And I was sitting on the back row of the church just waiting on the service to end. And there was a band there. They sang a song called How Great Thou Art. They sang the second verse, which goes like this. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, scarce can take it in, that on the cross, my burdens gladly bearing, he came and died to take away my sin. And a hungover 19-year-old boy who had contemplated ending in his own life heard a voice that I'd never heard before. And this is what it said, son, I love you and I got a plan for you. So I got up and I went to the altar. I gave my life to Jesus. I went out, got straight in my car. A youth pastor chased me out to the car west and I didn't even know that's what he was at that time. He jumped in my car. He was a year younger than me. He looked at me and he said, well, hey, hey man, my name's Mike. I'm the youth pastor. And I said, so? He said, what you listening to? Now, for those of you that are younger, I'm gonna need you to use the Google for this, okay? Not right now though. I had what's called a cassette tape player. I don't know who you are, but may the fleas of a thousand camels infest your armpits for saying that. That's just rude. I'm kidding. Not about the fleas. He pulls out my tape from the tape player. It's Def Leppard, Hysteria, pour some sugar on me, and... He snaps it in half in front of me and says, you can't listen to that no more. And I cussed him out right there in the church parking lot. Told him I was about to stomp him into a mud hole right there. <laughs> On the way here, uh, my Apple Music, I pulled up a group called Petra. I was like, hey, I got a friend back here in the back. We're good. And the reason I pulled up Petra is because that day when he realized his life was in danger, He went straight to his car. He pulled a Petra tape out. He handed it to me. He said, if you'll listen to this, he said, I promise you won't want to listen to that anymore. And if you like it, come back on Wednesday and I'll give you some more. And I burned that tape up the next three days. This means war. Changed my life. Now, the next part of the story is very dumb. Because less than five months later, I was a youth pastor at a church, Baptist church. I was still cussing, just so you know. Okay. I thought it was a good day when I'd gone through a whole message to a bunch of teenagers and didn't think about the word I wanted to say. You understand? It was a bad deal. They shouldn't have hired me. I made $50 a week. to hell taxes out of that. It was $42.80, and it cost me 40 bucks to drive there. In May the next year, it's actually May of 89, so the first date should have been 88, but in May of 89, I went and, uh, to, a, to a school, and I started hanging out with some Pentecostal people, Assemblies of God people. I started noticing some stuff about them. It was different. And I started asking about it, and they started talking to me about this thing called the Holy Spirit, and so I took a Sunday night off, Pastor Chris, and I, I went to the Assembly of God church, and that's where everything went south. <laughs> now remember my dad's Catholic my mom's Baptist I got saved in a Baptist church I'm youth pastor at a Baptist church nothing wrong with Baptist if it wasn't for a good Baptist youth pastor I would not be here today right. the truth is I had no idea what it meant to be spirit filled <laughs> so first thing that happened is the, the song leader starts leading the songs and people start raising their hands I'm going no, that's rude why y'all trying to interrupt the man while he's singing I don't, I don't understand that Then they get done, they decide to pray for needs, and this woman beside me on the right starts praying out loud. I'm like, they didn't call on you. The woman on the left starts praying out loud, but she's saying something I ain't never heard before, and I'm looking around going, I'm in the place where the exorcist is. This woman about to turn her head all over. And so I'm up, man. I ain't lying. I'm going, if I ever get out of this church, I will never ask anything about the Holy Spirit of anybody ever again. So at the end, my friend that was talking to me was a preacher. And at the end, I watched. this is so dumb. I said I wasn't going to say this part, but I have to now. So he, 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 I'm sitting out there, and he's preaching, and he says, he, he preached a message, and it had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Nothing. And he says, this this is what he did I'm sorry Lord he went went. I sense in my heart there's somebody here that needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit I'm like dude you don't sense nothing in your heart we've been talking about that for two weeks you're talking to me (laughs) and then he opened his eyes and looked directly at me (laughs) prophet lying that's what was happening right then so what was I going to do? Everybody in the whole church turned around. It was like 30 people in there. They turned around and looked at me. I went, All right, well, I'll go if this will get this over quick enough because I ain't ever coming back if I ever get out of here. I go to the altar. I start praying. This guy I've never seen before in my life comes up behind me. He leans over my ear and he says, Hey, man, if you want the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to pray out loud. I said, Shut up, man. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then I started speaking in tongues. <laughs> now, in Cajun country, you may not understand this phrase, but I just need you to know that at that moment, I was as confused as a termite in a yo-yo. You un- it's not a good day. Fortunately for me, he stayed up with me. He coached me. Made it through the next week where my mom's pastor told her if I'd spoken in tongues that I was demon-possessed that she should kick me out. <laughs> And In my initial experience, even though it freaked me out pretty badly, I still managed to move past that. And now, I've been a Pentecostal pastor for over 30 years. And so what that means tonight is this. I've seen some stuff. Okay. I've seen the supernatural power of God at work. Weston, I know for sure, knows Caleb, my son, when he was three, had double pneumonia on a Friday um, Sorry, on a Saturday morning, he was in the hospital. The doctors told us he's going into ICU. We can't stop the pneumonia. He'll be dead by morning. I went home, laid on my face all night long and cried. My daughter, Ashley, was five at the time. She was in the bed. Mama was at the hospital with Caleb. She looked at me and she said, Daddy, Caleb's real sick, isn't he? And I said, He is, baby, but God can heal him. You ever said something and you're not even sure you believe it? I laid on the floor, and I said, God, please me, not him. And I saw Ashley when she put her little head down, and I saw that she said something, and she said, good night, Daddy. And she went to sleep. The next morning, I got up before church on Sunday. I went to the hospital expecting them to tell me the worst. And when I walked in the door, the doctor said, do you have twins? I said, don't be stupid. You've been our pediatrician for three years. She said, This is not the same child I looked at yesterday. That child had one lung uh, 75% full of fluid. The other one 50% full of fluid. And today he is clear. He can go home right now. There's nothing wrong with him. So I've seen some stuff. I've seen deaf people leave hearing. I've heard stories of missionaries all over the world. But I've also seen (laughs) the other side. So how do you define that? It's weird. Can we just own that for a minute? Sometimes Pentecostal situations are weird. So I'm going to give you a a saying tonight that I hope will keep you sane because it's helped me over the years. And this is the saying, God isn't weird, but people are. And when you connect weird people to a supernatural God, things in church can get supernaturally weird. Several years ago in our church, I was addressing the topic of the Holy Spirit. And I said, I'm proud to lead a Pentecostal church. And half the people in the church almost passed out. It's like they were looking at me going, this is one of those churches? Like, and I knew immediately they were thinking, are y'all about to bring the snakes out the back? Are you All the stuff I used to say about Pentecost, that's what they were thinking. And so I just decided, you know what? There's got to be more to Pentecost than that. I got a feeling that probably a lot of people, and maybe some of you in this room even, have run from the idea of Pentecost because that may be your perception as well. So let's just see if I'm right. Let's have a little church participation. If your only church experience has been here or in a Pentecostal, a full gospel, Assembly of God, Spirit-filled church, if that's you, raise your hand. If you've only been to church at a Pentecostal or Spirit-filled church, there is two. (laughs) That means a lot of you are like me. You started somewhere else, maybe. Maybe. Catholic or Baptist or Methodist or whatever—if that's you, raise your hand. Wow! How many of you, at one point in your life, let's own this, okay? Believed Pentecostal people and churches were weird. You think they're weird too? As I was talking to Jesus about tonight, I had a phrase that ran through my mind. Sometimes, honestly, that happens if I eat pizza too late. <laughs> but in that moment, I knew it was Him. And I want you to really lean in for a minute. If you're taking notes, I want you to write it down. If you've got a camera, you want to take a picture of it when it comes up on the screen. It doesn't make me any difference, but I want you to remember what I'm about to tell you because I believe. The Lord told me to tell you this tonight. Eunice needs Pentecost. Now watch. I'm going to go pretty quickly through the rest of this tonight because I want to be very respectful of your time. And I believe, why don't you look right here, and I want to say this to you right now. I believe there's going to be a powerfully prophetic moment at the end of this service tonight. Say, Pastor Dean, you came for that? No. I came to set you up for it. But then your pastor's going to prophesy over you in a little bit. I let him know that about 30 minutes ago. I felt like it was unfair for me to not at least give him a heads up. (laughs) But you know what I know? It wouldn't have mattered. Because I know God's already speaking to him. About the idea that Eunice needs Pentecost. I'm super cautious with using the starting sentence with the Lord said. And the reason is it's been overused. It's been abused. In the last six months, we've seen that maybe more than we've ever seen. And now people not even owning their mistake, but justifying when they were dead wrong. But tonight, I'm going to use that phrase. I'm going to use those words. The Lord said, Eunice needs Pentecost. So what's my job here tonight? If your pastor's going to lead us at the end, what's my job? It's my job to unpack what that means. So I want to take you on a journey. I don't think that it means you should go to work or to school or wherever you're going tomorrow in pairs. And one of you give a message in tongues as loud as you can at your job site and the other one interpret it. Why do I think that's not what Pentecost means tonight? Let me take you back to exhibit A. Weird. That is a gift that God still uses in the church. It's important. And I do want to say this. I know you've heard a lot about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit over the last few days. If you have yet to activate that prayer language that God has for you, that personal prayer language... The Holy Spirit has for you through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me just encourage you tonight to do everything you can to activate that. It doesn't have to be in a church service. It could be in a car on the way home. It can be in a room at night. It could be at any place at any time. I wish every person in Eunice had that experience. I wish every person in Eunice had that personal prayer language. It is the single most important part of my relationship with God. Rarely, if I'm speaking at a service, if it's at our church or even here tonight, if you had come and slipped up beside me on the front row, all you would have heard when I wasn't trying to sing was me praying in that prayer language because I desperately need God and I desperately need that prayer language. But can I just tell you this? And for some of you that have been in Pentecost a while, you need to hear it. Pentecost is a whole lot more than just tongues. I love our tribe, the Assemblies of God. It's why I try to help and lead at the at the district level. But I fear this, guys, and you younger guys listen to me, you younger ministers especially, which is pretty much all of y'all. I fear this, that we've put so much emphasis on speaking in tongues that we've isolated those who may not speak in tongues. And they've We've begun to believe that we might be superior to other people because we do speak in tongues, and they may not. We've muddied the water about the true meaning of Pentecost. Jesus gives you access to that prayer language. He wants you to have that prayer language, but he's got a much higher calling. I can promise you this. If you speak in tongues and that's the only Holy Ghost you got, you didn't get the whole deal. So if you'll let me tonight, I know you had, listen, I've heard Alan Griffin before. When when he told me Alan Griffin was speaking first, I said, are you out your mind? He said, no, I'm getting y'all back because you were going to make me speak after Chris Hodges last year. (laughs) I said, no, I just thought we were giving Chris Hodges the privilege of speaking before you. (laughs) I said that too, didn't I? And I meant it. I know you've been pumped up. I know you've heard the excitement side, but let me be a pastor in the midst of this today and let me walk you through what this ought to look like on a daily basis. Is that okay? Can we do that? Say yes, because there's nothing you can do to stop it anyway. (laughs) Acts chapter one, let's read verse four. Once Jesus, this is after he was raised from the dead. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, but you'll receive power. Say that with me, power. power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and to the ends, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Write this down. The purpose of Pentecost is Power. The purpose of Pentecost is power. You will receive power. That's what Jesus said to the disciples when the Holy Spirit come. Being Pentecostal is not about what you wear or what you don't wear, although you should be modest. It's not about speaking in tongues or exercising other spiritual gifts. Spirit-filled living, the Holy Spirit, being Pentecostal, is about living a life that is filled with power. And I want to show you the three ways that it shows up in, in our lives, that I believe that power will show up in our life. And I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the first two because I, you've probably heard these before and you've dealt with those, but I really want to focus on the third one today. The first one, though, is this. It's power to be a witness. And a witness is this. This is the way the dictionary defines it. It's someone who testifies about what they have seen or experienced. The Holy Spirit gives us power to testify about Jesus what Jesus has done in our life. I've had plenty of people tell me I don't know enough about Jesus to testify about it. Listen, the very first thing that happened after I went back to that church and that youth pastor grabbed a hold of me is he said, look, you need to go find some lost people and tell them about Jesus. And I said, okay, will you go with me? He said, I will. He didn't know anything about me. He didn't know where I'd been the last weekend. So I went and picked him up on Friday night. We drove out to the High Line. I don't know if y'all have those in Eunice. But that's where we burned tires and drank beer. There was 150 people there. I said, all right, here we go. We're gonna tell them about Jesus. And this is what he said, youth pastor, I think I'll stay in the car and pray. I didn't know any better. I'm like, okay. So I just got out of my car. I stepped up on the hood, got on the top. And I looked out there and I said, hey, as loud as I could. And I don't even know how they all heard and shut up, but they did. They're all looking at me. I said, listen, y'all all all need to get saved. And I don't really know what that is yet. But y'all need it. Half of them started laughing, went back to drinking the beer. The other half went, yeah, you're right. Man, I do need to get saved. Because, you know, that's what happens. Some people get saved all the time. I mean, it's good. I didn't know any better. I got back in the car. He said, man, you're crazy. (laughs) So where do we be witnesses at? The first place is in Jerusalem. That's where the disciples live. So we should be witnesses at home. In Judea and Samaria, that's where they spent most of their time. For us, that's work, school. To the ends of the earth, the known world. All the places we have influence, we ought to be a witness. And the Holy Spirit, listen, if you got the tongues but didn't get the power, go after it again. Because the power is what it's all about. Second power, power to live an overcoming life. I wish we had more time to unpack this passage, but I'm just going to give you the... The highlights, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Let me read that last line. It has freed you. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Romans 7 and 8 used to be some of the most confusing chapters in all the Bible for me. But now they're some of my favorite. Paul gets very real about what it means to live for God. He says things like this, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I do what's wrong instead. And every time I decide to do what's right, sin trips me up. And you know what happens when I read that? Look right here. I feel normal because that still happens to me. Matter of fact, let me just take a a step here. I believe there's only two kinds of believers in the world. Those that understand sin can still trip them up and those that lie. So, Paul says we no longer have to live in sin because the Holy Spirit frees us from the power that leads to sin and death. If you read through chapter 8, he gives more detail, more than I can give you tonight. But the truth is this. We see the power of the Holy Spirit gives us to witness. But we also see that he gives us power to live free from sin. And I think you've probably heard that before. And and even years past, I've preached it that way. That's the power, that's what it means. And we were two thirds of the way right. But I want to give you the most important, but least talked about way Holy Spirit power is meant to be displayed. Because Pentecost gives us power to love others. Pentecost gives us power to love others. Say, well, Dan, I've never heard that before. Let me prove it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 31, and we'll read a couple of verses in chapter 13 as well. Sure, you should, sure, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. So Paul's just spent a whole chapter talking about spiritual gifts and all the things we talked about, the fact that we, we love tongues and interpretation and prophecy and discernment, all those things Paul's been talking about. He's just talked about uh, the importance of all of that. You should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Now listen to this next sentence. A couple of years ago I was reading this and it's like it jumped off the page at me. But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And listen to what he says next. Now remember that the chapters and the verses, numbers, are in there for us. They weren't originally there. So Paul's thought doesn't stop and then he picks it up later on. He continues. Listen to what he says. First Corinthians 13, 1. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others. Now he's just told us that's tongues in chapter 12. He actually unpacks it even more in chapter 14. If I didn't love others, I would, be, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy... I didn't And I understood all of God's secret plans, possessed all knowledge. If I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would not have gained, I would have gained nothing. Several years ago, I revisited the idea of Pentecost and what it meant. And if we go back to the Old Testament, here's what we'd learned. We'd learned that Pentecost is a festival that God instituted for his people when they harvested. So Pentecost celebrates harvest. Jesus talks about harvest throughout the time that he's on earth, and he relates that to people. He says, you look out to people and you see the harvest is ready, but there's not enough workers. Eunice needs Pentecost because Eunice needs Jesus. Pentecost gives us the power to be a witness and live the way Jesus wants us to live and those things will point people to Jesus but I am convinced with everything that's within me that the greatest proof of real Pentecostal power is our choice to love each other. Jesus said it plainly. He said, everybody will know we are his disciples if we love each other. When he was asked about the greatest commandment, how did he respond? He said, you love God with everything you have, but then you love each other. You love your neighbor as yourself. And I want you to think about that. The very thing that Jesus said was most necessary on earth is the thing we struggle with the most. And I need you to understand this. He didn't say what you need to win more people to Jesus is to speak in tongues more. Now, listen, don't go out of here saying, well, that dude just don't believe in speaking in tongues. If you say that, you wasn't listening at the front end because I'm telling you it's the most important thing I have in my life. It's that prayer language between me and God. But I need you to hear me on this. The main reason people outside of faith reject Christianity is our lack of love in our words and our actions towards others, especially when we don't agree. Let's just own it, guys. I think the first step for us tonight is to just own it and say it's us, we did it, and let's repent and let's move on so we can receive a prophetic word. There are many people out there who claim to follow Jesus, including some very famous preachers and teachers. And if you look at them, if you get close to them, if you talk to them, the way you would describe them is that they are flat out mean. I'll even take that a step further. I'm just trying to hide some of the meanest people i know speak in tongues more than anybody else i know and i'm just going to tell you this if that doesn't bother you we got a problem we have a misunderstanding of what the holy spirit wants to do i absolutely believe we should speak in tongues i absolutely believe we should pray in that prayer language but listen if we're mean on the other side of it What did Paul say? I'm going to show you. You go to the NIV and listen to how it says it. A way of life that's the best of all. And then what does he talk about? Love. Paul warned us. He said you can speak in tongues a lot and proclaim God's message to others and understand his plan and even reach out to those in need. But the truth is simple and it's practical. And this is it. What we do for God doesn't matter if we don't love each other. Because without love, it's all noise. I want to testify about what God has done. But if I don't love the people around me and my family, they don't care what God has done. Because the way I love speaks louder than what I say and the way I live. I want to live in a way God wants me to live. Pentecost gives us the power to do that, but the most important evidence of a spirit-filled life. As a matter of fact, I'm going to just leave you with one thought. You want to write it down, and we're going to pray. I believe this with my whole heart. I know how we feel about the initial physical evidence. I get that, okay? But I believe this. Write it down. The mark of a Pentecostal believer is love. If you don't have it, you didn't get it. Let me go one step. We're talking about the church. You want to know what the mark of a spirit-filled church is? Unity. Well, I just didn't like what that song they sang. I, I don't. I don't know about building that building. I ain't real sure about all that. Let me go. I'm gonna go over here and find me some friends, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna pray about that. You're not always going to agree. God gave us different personalities. But he also gave you leadership you could trust. And in the end, you want to be known as a spirit-filled church? Be united. That may mean inside these walls you disagree. I don't always agree with your pastor. I love him. And I need you to know something. I live about 90 miles from here. But if you come for him, I'm probably coming for you. I'll have to get in line behind the rest of his staff. So, man, you're being mean now. No, I'm just telling you how much I love you, pastor. And I trust him. You might disagree inside of here, but when you go out there, let's be united. Because that will show this community more than anything that you are a Pentecostal church. And let's talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And let's let the supernatural things of God happen in here, out there, all over the place. But God, help us if those things happen in the midst of our meanness, in spite of our meanness. Let it happen in an atmosphere of love. Let me pray over you real quick. Here's what I know. Just before Pastor Chris comes, I... I, I know there's at least one person in this room. Maybe more than that. But you've rejected Jesus because of how you've seen believers act, live what they've posted, how they've loved. And I'm going to ask you something. Let's bow our heads for a minute. So don't look around. This is a personal moment. Right here. First thing I want to say to you is this. I am so sorry that sometimes the people who are supposed to represent Jesus best actually represent Him the worst. And I'm sorry if that's been your experience and I'm just going to tell you there have been moments I've done that. I wish it wasn't the case. But don't let our failure push you away from the very one Who has the answers for everything you're walking in right now. So if you're here and you just say, Dan, you know what? I hear that you've made some mistakes. I have. I bet you've made a few too. Today, Jesus would love for you to choose to follow him. So here's what I thought would be cool tonight. Why don't we decide together that none of us have it figured out when it comes to following Jesus? And let's just decide to hold hands together and, and do it together. So here's what I mean. if you'll own it tonight that you've been running from Jesus that you are not following him right now, we'll all take the step with you to start following him right now. Is there anybody I'm talking to you say Dan, I know that's me. Raise your hand right now up and down real quick let me see. Thank you. Thanks thanks wow 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 thank you for being honest. Anybody else? That's me. Hey, don't, don't. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down as soon as I see it. Wow, thank, man. What a courageous decision. Everybody look right here. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray the prayer together out loud. Why? This is too important of a decision for anybody to make alone. So let's do it together. All right, you ready? Everybody say this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've let things keep me from you. Today, I choose to follow you with all my friends in this room. Forgive me for my mistakes. I choose to live for you. And I can do that because you died for me, and today you're alive. Thank you. And I choose to follow you for life. In Jesus' name.